Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Good afternoon, Stephanie. Hi, Amy. Hi, welcome to Cancer for Breakfast. Hello, listeners. Hi, here we are. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is not an ad, okay? This is like, it's, it's the opposite of an ad because I'm going to talk a little smack about it. So it's like <laughs> more like a da. It's a <laughs> not an ad. Um, do you get ads all the time for these mushroom drinks like rise? I do. I do. Mud water. Yeah. Not only the mushroom drinks, but also like anything that seems to be sneaking nutrients into your body Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a crafty way. It's like when you are trying to put vegetables in a smoothie for children, because you can't tell them that vegetables are just a thing that we must consume (laughs) solid trick um i did buy the the rise i bought the mushroom coffee replacement as it were where i'm like why can't i still just drink coffee and then also have a mushroom drink why must i eliminate why i like them both (laughs) but i don't like them both actually because you know what's disgusting i'm drinking it right now rise all the ads are just people talking about how delicious it is and how good it is and how they crave it and i'm like can you just say it's pretty medium tasting but it's really good for you like yeah why can't we just say it's medium it is so medium it is not good it's an acquired taste i'm still drinking it it still i think makes me feel good it's clearly healthy because it's hard to get in the amount of mushrooms that can have the benefit like anti-tumor benefit, which is like a real thing. I sound crazy. And we've talked about mushrooms too much on this podcast. People think we're obsessed, but (laughs) we're part um, of the mushroom lobby. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm sick of the, I feel like it's a cancer tax that if you do get kind of caught up in things like I don't know. I get caught up in ways of reducing risk and stuff like that. And I it just feel better when I'm making decisions that might be in my favor. I don't know. But I'm sick of the tax of having to order the mushroom thing on the menu when I'm at a restaurant. When I like mushrooms are fine, but I don't really like want to always get the mushroom stroganoff or the mushroom like whatever, you know? And I'm always like, I should just get that because I'm supposed to eat, you know, it's a tax or it's like, yeah. So this is a good way that the mushroom drinks are a good way to get your mushrooms in. I guess so. They they do not taste good. If you know of a better tasting one, tell me. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Everything doesn't have to be our favorite. And why can't people just say that? Why can't, yeah, there be truth in advertising. Like it's it's really quite good for you. I don't, I don't get it. Um, 
maybe you have to have an existential crisis to realize that sometimes you just drink a drink that tastes medium. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't want to talk about this for very much longer, but I do find in a lot of things that are marketed that claim to be healthier, claim to be whatever, they focus so much on the taste or they know that people are going to have the reaction that I'm having now, which is just horrifying that somebody would say something doesn't taste good. Um, so they add all the fake sugar alternatives to sweeten it up with stuff that tastes like, oh, and we're now learning is actually like bad for your heart. Like all of these, yeah. like, you know, where I'm just like, just let it be the thing. Just let it, you know, like I bought... I'm like, I will not talk about this anymore. And then I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but one more thing, totally unrelated and no reason for me to be talking about right now. But I did buy, for some reason I was craving like a can of peaches, you know, they just oh. like have a can of peaches. And I was like, I wonder if Josie would like canned peaches. Like I want to try it. I want to try it. Um, <laughs> and it was like no sugar added, like just a natural syrup or something. I was like, or natural water or something. And I was like, yeah, natural water. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, that's even better. I don't need it in a syrup of sugar. I just give me some peaches that are in a can. And I took one bite and all I tasted was like fake sugar. Like, Oh no. Like it, the whole, and I looked at it and in the very small letters in the back, it's like with added sucron sclangle or whatever the hell oh, it's called. No. I was like, it's so gross. Anyway, who cares? This is a cancer podcast. This isn't a canned food, uh, two middle-aged ladies talking about canned food. <laughs> what I will say is like, it's a total emperor's new clothes situation because I get marketed all of this stuff. They're like mush in bags to get all your protein in and the mm -hmm. greens and stuff. And everybody's like, mm, this is delicious. You won't even want coffee after this. Mm -hmm. This will replace your morning smoothie. And it's just like, come on, come on. Come Do on, they you guys. Like you have to be honest because you want people to be repeat customers, right? Like, are they supposed to buy this thing and then think like, well, everybody else says it tastes great. So there must be something wrong with me. No, just be honest. Be yeah. honest. This is also yeah. can your own peaches. They're delicious. Oh, come on. No, I'm the bad guy. Now you're not the bad guy, Amy. Going to the peach tree farm this summer. I, I will say that we have a giant pear tree in our yard and we can pears every year because it feels like such a waste to just like let them all go. And there's like way too many for us to eat mm -hmm. when they're fresh. And it's a lovely midwinter treat. Remember a few minutes ago when I said this isn't the middle-aged women talking about canned canning <laughs> foods podcast? I'm still standing by that. Can we get into the cancer place? Let's move on. Um, speaking of cancer, you have a scan coming up. Let's get a little update on Steph's shitty old cells. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have, it's actually a belated scan because Fred Hutch sent me to collections. <laughs> Frederick, why yeah. would you do that? We How trusted you. you. How very dare you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> it comes with the territory, I guess. It should not. My copay on every scan is $2,000. Um, do you but, hear that? Do you hear that world? <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's it's rough out here for the cancer people. Just we're just trying to stay alive. But like you might want to send us at what cost? <laughs> yeah, quite truly. Just trying to stay alive. Um listeners, if you have uh financial horror stories, we've talked about it 
here and there over the years, but always a good letter writing topic, just the travesty involved in all of this stuff. But how dare they send you to collections? Yeah, I mean... And then you were like, should I schedule my scan? Are you mad at me? Like, do I... <laughs> right? Like... I think anybody who's like lived in, in functional poverty has done that dance of like, if I call for an unrelated thing, are they going to be like, well, I see that you owe us $6,400. Can we talk about that for a minute? Um, They will not though. I told you those are two completely different phone lines. The people scheduling you. You're right. They want you to get treatment. It's true. The scheduler doesn't give a good goddamn how much money I owe Mm -hmm. to the man. But um, anyway, it was true. I scheduled my scan. I'm glad that's off my plate. And I did also like talk about how Fred Hutch sent me to collections because I do, I, you know, I try to be transparent, like with my friends and family. I'm not one of those people who's like a bright cider. Shocking. I know. (laughs) Um, and so it was like in the, and then I felt compelled to apologize for the fact that for my birthday, I had arranged to get what I believe to be a very reasonably priced suite at the OL Rain women's soccer game on mm-hmm. October 1st. Um, because like when you are saying that you have a lot of like medical debt or whatever, and then you do something that you feel is like kind of splashy. But you didn't pay for the suite. You reserved a suite for a bunch of your friends to then purchase tickets. I know, I know. And but I have to pay for my own ticket, you know. You have to pay I for your own ticket. It's like $130 or something, you know, which Yes. How and dare also, you? I should say JK. for for the record, my friends were like, Don't be an idiot. Obviously, you're not Clearly. paying for your own ticket on your birthday thing. Um but, you know, I I felt like I had to apologize for it because it's like, yes, I'm still poor. Just like I'm trying to have one fun thing for my birthday. Um, That's so common. Like people think that people are like watching them or like if you have a GoFundMe and then you like get your nails done, people are going to be like, you had a GoFundMe. Where it's just like, actually, even if you do use your GoFundMe to get your nails done, like, yeah, God bless you. You needed that. Just leave a beautiful corpse. That's my plan. <laughs> Just kidding. Cut um, that. That's so dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, so on the topic of the OL Reign women's football match on October 1st. American football. American football. Megan Rapino's team, by the way, my hope of all hopes is that Sue Bird just casually meanders into our suite okay. um, and declares her love for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who any of these people are, but I'm just nodding my head and I'm going to be there with you. Cause why am I coming? Not just for your birthday. No, Amy, because, uh, we were invited to have the breast cancer support bus at mm-hmm. the freaking OL rain football game because 10 one is what, what is it, Amy? It's the breast cancer OL rain official game. Theme. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't it's know. The, what is it? It's, some it's breast the first cancer day game. of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, bitches. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. That. Um, so, yeah, I guess the Oil Rain are having this like breast cancer awareness event, which is cool. I mean, I think it's actually a really smart way to 
you know, remind people to have a mammogram where it's not like a letter from your doctor. I don't know. It's like a fun thing, whatever. Are you going to get on your like Stephanie hat and be like, how much of the ticket sales are you donating to (laughs) cancer research? Or are you going to just be like, thank you for letting my bus be here to spread awareness? <laughs> I will absolutely be doing that. But one one thing that's cool is that they have been pretty transparent in the emails with us, right? About how they are um they partner with a healthcare organization that does mobile mammograms and stuff like that. So anyway, I'm excited. If you guys are in the Seattle area and you want to come to the OL Rain game, tickets are like very, very reasonably priced. And the bus is gonna be there. So come say hi and give us a hug or Stephanie and I did order matching outfits there. It's like a matching one onesie coverall pantsuit. That's right. It's of course we did. uh, Yeah. I mean, we were having a very serious discussion and then I had to interrupt to be like, um, I'm so sorry to suggest this, but I have to do it because it's at the core of who I am as a person. And I sent you the link to the, (laughs) to the jumpsuit and you were like, oh yes. I was like, I am. (laughs) At the core of my person. That's why this works so well. When I'm not talking about canning fruits, I'm <laughs> buying matching onesies with my friends. That's right. So we're coming at you. Seattle, OL Rain, making Rapino, Sue Bird. Keep an eye out Can for I... the matching outfits, ladies. Can I read a letter? Mm-hmm. Or do we have anything else stuck? Oh, but oh, you didn't really tell us about your scan, though. That just like you're, you're going in for your scan. That's all. I mean, that's, that's all that's happening. Okay. Great. I just didn't know. I was just like, Steph has an update about her cancer cells that are shitty. And that, as if, you know, Steph does not have, she does not have shitty cancer <laughs> cells. Her cancer cells are behaving still very well. She's still. As far as I know, but like, who knows? Maybe they took that month of, of fear about my medical debt to really go hog wild. Um, oh, the irony in that. Um, oh, I did want to say one thing, um, which is that we lost a person in the cancer community. Um, her name's Libby and, uh, she died of metastatic breast cancer recently, depending on when this episode comes out. Um, but she had a really huge following on Twitter. Um, she had like 38,000 Twitter followers and, um, she was Canadian and had a young daughter. Her handle on Twitter was Libby NBC. And just something I really, really admired about her was that her absolute total honesty really changed, I think, the landscape of NBC for a lot of us. Like she got down to the nitty gritty of like pain and the medical system and hospitalization and parenting with metastatic cancer. And um, something that she triggered for me was an interest in how people in the United States really like kind of fetishize Canadian healthcare system. Mm-hmm. But Libby pointed out ways that it's really not serving people with chronic illnesses and metastatic cancer and maybe even early stage cancer too. Um So that's something that I am really fascinated to talk to an expert about. So if you happen to be somebody who knows a lot about different healthcare systems, like socialized medicine versus our capitalistic shithole, which obviously doesn't work either, Mm -hmm. um, versus like what they have in the UK, the NHS, um, I would, I would love it. I would love it if an expert would (laughs) just do a brain dump for me. Um, Do you think... Um, 
like when you say the Canadian healthcare is like problematic in ways too, like, do you mean like it's free, but they offer less or like less cutting edge or like, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, what Libby went through was, um, a pretty interesting flow of what was available to her. So it seemed like in Canada, and I mean, I have, I've seen this happen with multiple people, so she's not my only example of it. Um, But again, I'm not an expert. So this is just from, you know, sort of like a bystander perspective. It seemed like they had these kind of like categories of drugs where if you tried one and then you failed on it, then that whole category was off the table for you. Mm. Whereas, you know, in the United States, as long as your insurance is paying, you can keep kind of trying stuff for in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she wasn't given the opportunity to try different combos of like an AI and a um, CDK4-6 inhibitor. Um, whereas I think I would be able to do that here in the United States. Um, obviously, it costs a lot. Um, also, it doesn't seem like Canada has the same access to clinical trials that people have in hmm. the United States. I've seen a lot of people traveling, raising money to potentially travel to the United States to get in on a clinical trial from um, traveling from Canada. So I think that maybe part of the problem, this is just like an educated guess, would be that Canada's population is so much smaller. So like the pot isn't as big and when you have to separate it up um into an equal amount for everybody uh your money just doesn't go as far Hmm. and it really was a shame to see libby crying out for access to things that we have access to in our country um and it's it seems like that's a problem for other people too so sucks um I don't, I don't know. Again, I just would love to hear from an expert. Yeah, totally. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, it sucks to hear that she passed. I hate it. I know. Um, The good thing, I guess, is that she was well aware. She knew and she fought to the bitter end to advocate for people and knew that Um, I think her reach was going to go on after she died, Mm -hmm. Um, which is honestly, I think as somebody with a terminal illness, the best thing you can hope for. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for everything you did, Libby. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Should I read a letter? Please do. Mm Okay. This is just a shorty. Um, Lauren writes, thanks for your podcast. I've only recently started listening to some episodes. Well, you're in for a treat, Lauren. Just kidding. <laughs> um, um, re-therapist. Oh, she's referring to our therapist episode. Um, there's a potential resource. I don't know details about insurance coverage. They may have references for other therapists too. And then she gives us a link to something called Orion Sky Wellness that we will link in the show noties. Um, and I will check out in a moment here, but I'm going to continue just reading her letter. Um, also, it might be interesting to do a rats on psilocybin in cancer. There's this ongoing study through UW that metastatic listeners 
Jeez, metastatic listeners in Washington, Stephanie. That's the home team. Uh, <laughs> may, may want to learn more about. And then she links to a link that we will also put in the show notes um, to the UW's website. And it's a psilocybin retreat. And it looks like they're doing <laughs> what? Um, a phase one half study. Of uh, one of two studies, is that what that means? One dash two in this context? I don't know. A phase one dash two. A phase one of two. S- Help, Steph. What do I say? I, th- I think it might be phase one and two. One to two. Okay. Study? Okay. I don't- yeah. It's got to be. Okay. 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 Um, study of a group model of psilocybin assisted therapy for cancer related anxiety in patients with metastatic cancer. And they are recruiting now. Hold on. I need to make a quick phone call. (laughs) Do you want to not release this until you're approved for the study before the the word gets too far out? No kidding. Don't you guys take my spot. Wow. And you get to do it for three. You you get to be a part of this for three days. I don't know if you're on mushrooms for three days. Um, But at a place called Harmony Hill, which is a rustic retreat center about two hours from Seattle. And it looks like they're doing uh, individual sessions with two therapists. and groups of four to eight people. How interesting. This sounds like it could either be really, really awesome or like terrifying. Um, yeah, like reality show level. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, I'm game for either scenario. <laughs> well, I see three of the people who I'm assuming will be there with you, Steph, when you get approved for this. There's a a lovely looking gal named Leslie, who I trust with my life, and somebody named Bonnie, who I also trust with my life, and then a guy named Anthony, who I trust with my Leslie, life. Leslie, Bonnie, and Anthony are very trustworthy names. <laughs> I've never met a Leslie or a Bonnie that I didn't like. I know a lot of Anthony's, so I'm going to reserve judgment. Well, you know, on that one. But he's an MD, Bonnie's a PhD, and Leslie's a BA, which I'm like, I'm a BA. What do you want? Can I give people uh, mushrooms for their happiness? Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> um, all right. Probably not cool. through a university. but Probably not. And then this Orion Center for Integrative Medicine link she gave us, it looks like they've got all sort of integrative medicine resources and partners. And they do... Different therapies. You're going to have to just check it out for yourself because if I try to, um, you know, explain this, none of us are going to benefit. Um, but they have like oncology, massage, nutrition, acupuncture, um, psychotherapy, nutrition. Excellent. I don't know where they're based out of, but maybe they have people all over, which is part of why she's sending yeah. it. But that's cool. I'm assuming there's good resources for cancer patients for who they accept and help but i don't know i don't know i don't know um it's orion like the constellation um yeah orion sky like the constellations wellness like (laughs) you know what we're all striving for we're after what we're after Mm -hmm. um cool well thank you lauren and yeah, I just have that letter for today. If you have sent us letters that weren't um, topic specific, because I am sitting on a few of our chemo letters, we got some chemo advice for a chemo focused mm-hmm. episode. Um, and I think we have one on like kind of 
family relations revolving around cancer people and family dynamics. If anyone else would like to contribute something for that episode, we would love to hear from you as well. But if you've sent a letter and you haven't heard it read and it was kind of a one-off, um, can you just tap us on the shoulder and be like, excuse me? Because <laughs> I, I think yeah. that maybe we are at fault somehow because we didn't mean to ignore anybody. We would never. We would never. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I forgot to mention one thing is that I'm going to the Lobular Breast Cancer Symposium in Pittsburgh. What? At the end of September um, as a patient advocate. So, yes, Stephanie. If you happen to be going to that symposium or you live in Pittsburgh and you're a cancer person, you want to hang out, I think there will probably be some downtime. And I would love to see you. So cool. I love Pittsburgh. Um, I'm very excited to be in Pennsylvania. I lived in Pennsylvania when I was a child. Wow. Love it. I'm going to play some of those peg games at the weird diners, Pennsylvania Dutch diners. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, that'll be fun to hear about. And I hope that you make some great connections and learn a lot and enjoy yourself that sounds great i'm gonna see the belmondo of breast cancer otto metzger so Ooh, mr metzger himself the very one and only so can't get better than that yeah we've talked about him before he's like the researcher yeah he's like a hunky belgian guy so great can't wait to hear about it i hope he has some cool stuff to report um surprised you're cured (laughs) (laughs) speaking of things just searching and searching for the cure um where are those little rat feet pitter pattering and what have they figured out for us today um there are some little rat feet pitter pattering around and they have some kind of bad news for people under 50 we want yeah sorry team released in JAMA Network Open um, in August, I think early August, that basically Mm -hmm. said cancer rates are pretty drastically on the rise for people under 50, Mm -hmm. which um, (laughs) when you start limiting screening to people over 50 is not a huge surprise. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, we had a whole campaign called Screaming for Screening that asked, nay, begged <laughs> these medical organizations to, instead of limiting breast cancer screening to people over 50, allow people, you know, 30 and over to access mammograms. But um, anywho... The research is out and um, breast cancer specifically and colorectal cancer are very much on the rise in people under 50. And then there are a bunch of other weird cancers that are that can be super aggressive, like appendix cancer, which just seems Mm -hmm. insulting. 
um, and apparently kills like well, way more people than you would ever guess. And also like bile duct cancer, which is really gnarly mm-hmm. as well. Um, and these are not cancers that have been really on the radar previously for people who are under 50 years old. So um, public health specialists are, uh, you know, kind of going to have to rethink their policies. Um, This needs a call to action for medical organizations that dictate how and when people are able to access screening. Unfortunately, there's not a very clear reason for any of these cancers to be proliferating like this. I guess a lot of what they're saying is at fault is a more sedentary lifestyle, plastics in our environment, everything, um, other environmental factors. And one thing uh, that is is good news for us and our listeners is that we were contacted by an author who has a really great book out now. Um, Her name is Christina Marusik, and her book is called A New War on Cancer, The Unlikely Heroes Revolutionizing Prevention. She has a starred review on Booklist that I'm going to link to in the show notes. And just FYI for anybody who's like a reader, if you want to know if a book is good or not, I always look for starred reviews on Booklist. Um, It's never really steered me wrong. But basically, the book is really smartly organized into profiles on people who are health advocates, researchers, activists. And each chapter follows one of them and discusses chemicals in our environment that are leading to cancer. So we are going to be talking to Christina Marusik on the podcast in a later episode. And I cannot wait to bring her on, let her talk about what she learned through her research. She's um, a health journalist and has a really amazing catalog of articles even prior to this book coming out. So um, I recommend that you guys look her up, read the book. If you want to do that ahead of our interview, highly recommend. And it's just, you know, it's, it's fascinating and unfortunate and scary. And I think that we're just beginning to see the effects of things like PFAS, you know, those microplastics that are just everywhere Mm -hmm. in our environment and chemicals that are used in our parks and our kids' schools and just all kinds of stuff. There's There are just so many really captivating profiles in her book that make yeah. you think about all of the stories that aren't being told, all of the people who are on the front lines of this, trying to make a difference and coming up against these huge corporations, huge mm-hmm. government agencies, that kind of hold our health in their hands. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that interview. And yeah, th- that stuff about cancer rates rising was like all over the news. And then more recently than that, I think it was the New York Times just in the last few days um, had like this big article about wanting to reframe how we look at very early stage cancers and should they even be called cancer, like things like DCIS for breast cancer and how when you call it cancer, 
it makes somebody be like, get it out, get it out, do something, do something. But if you could call it something else, people would be more comfortable leaving it in their bodies and just having it be monitored and stuff. Yeah. And that kind of how they've done with, um, what's the men's cancer they've done that with? Is it prostate where they wait and watch? Yeah. Yeah. They are doing that with some, some cancers. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I don't want to get too far from the rats you're actually having or get onto like a whole nother subject, but I do read that kind of stuff. And, you know, we fought so hard for screening stuff, not to be turned down, but to like stay a part of everybody's life so that things are caught early. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just strange to me, especially with something like DCIS where, we're also told that that's how most breast cancers begin is as DCIS. And then eventually yeah. it turns into invasive. But then when you have DCIS, they're like, oh, it doesn't spread. But then you're like, then why am I being treated for this? Or, well, it can spread. But then you just said it. I don't know. We've talked about this a million we times, have, but it's yeah. just weird to see in the New York Times it just being like, shouldn't we all just chill on these early stage <laughs> cancers? And maybe if we like had a marketing issue, people would be more comfortable having them in their bodies where meanwhile, you're like, if only we caught this stuff earlier, if only we found a way to catch this earlier. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's really, um, discordant. I think when we're seeing, and like this article in JAMA and there's another one that I'll link to from Healthline. It's not saying like, People have chill cancers, no biggie. Like, <laughs> no, 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 but, no. You know, it's like these are really gnarly cancers that are happening to younger and younger people. But then, yes, you're right. It's this other other message that we're getting that's like, well, maybe we should just all like see where it goes. Let's take a watch and wait approach. And I do think that some of that is driven by insurance companies not wanting to shell out for, you know, potentially 10 more years of cancer care in somebody. We know that um, the earlier you detect, for example, colorectal cancer, mm -hmm. the better the prognosis is. I mean, come on, it, it makes sense. And, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about this because they, they do repeatedly refer to a sedentary lifestyle and, mm -hmm. you know, people being less active and eating high, highly processed foods and lots of sugar and things like that. And like, obviously, there's an aspect of victim blaming that I don't want to participate in with regards to people's diets. And it's multifaceted, you know, people in poverty, people in food deserts, all of those things, like, let's just take take for granted that I know all of that. Mm -hmm. My middle child, I hope she won't mind me sharing this. I don't think she will. But she's been having a really hard time adjusting to middle school because she loves to play. She loves to be outside. She wants to climb trees. She wants to, you know, run around the track. She wants to play soccer with her friends. She wants to play gaga ball. And in middle school, they don't do recess. They don't do PE, but once a week. Wow. And I feel like this is the beginning of a sedentary lifestyle for a lot mm -hmm. of people where our kids are just sitting for, you know, six, seven hours a day. And then when they come home, they're starving because they didn't get to eat a good lunch. And so they're going to go for high carb foods that will give them quick energy because they're wiped out. And then, you know, they're probably not going to go out and play 
outside with their friends because there's not anymore a culture of doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It's just, it's hard not to try to see like the whole picture and where we can maybe improve as a whole culture. It can't just be down to individuals buying glass containers for everything. You know, it's got to be everybody kind of looking at ways we can improve. I don't know. It's just is really scary, especially now that I'm looking at my kids who have such an increased risk of cancer because of my cancer. And I'm just like, oh, just let her run around outside as much as she wants to. I don't, you know, want to be worrying about her cancer risk. (laughs) It's not such an increased risk if you're not. I mean, there could be genetic ties that they haven't discovered yet. But as far as your genetic testing, there's no genetic ties. Yeah, I mean, there there are no genetic ties that they know about yet. But also, like, as we know, there are new genetic right. links being found all the time. And so it's like, where does cancer come from? Obviously, that's a huge conversation. But my kids do have an increased risk. I mean, of course, I like to exaggerate it. Amy, well, I'm a Jewish I know, mother. Well, I just, I'm just saying for, you know, and I don't want listeners who are already worried about their children to be like, what? I was told that <laughs> I didn't have that. But... All right. All right. All right. So all right. come on. I'm not listening to that. All right. You're right. It's okay. Barely, they'll get screened a little earlier. It's fine. If they're allowed to. If they the by screening the government. Exists. <laughs> um, well, it's true. So whatever. Okay. okay. Um, anything else? I don't think so. I think I just blabbed a lot of nonsense for a hot 10, but no, that's great. That's great. Learned a lot. I'm mad. I'm happy. I'm sick. I'm healthy. I'm all those things. You know, isn't that an Alanis Morissette? <laughs> I think I did say something was ironic earlier, but I don't know if it really was. But <laughs> I'm leaving it middle aged ladies. Handsome <laughs> <Go> pairs. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening to Cancer for Breakfast. Um, that's that. Hell yeah, it is. Email us. Who cares? Just tell us anything. Cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Yeah. Hit me up if you live in Pittsburgh. Oh, hey. Yeah. One more tiny thing. Well, maybe we should say it next time. I was going to thank our new um, Patreon. Yeah. We'll do it next time. Okay. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening. Thanks for listening.